I'm talking about, with each of my guests, real-life American culture. This is not some bloated, overproduced mass media conglomerate. Um, this, is, this isn't even polished. Uh, this is raw. Welcome to Deep Americana. I am uh, here with Xanadu Zero, uh, pseudonym. And we're going to talk about her life, and um, Xanadu has Lyme disease. Um, can you tell us how you got Lyme disease, Xanadu? Lyme disease is kind of a catch-all phrase for Lyme, which you always get with a bunch of co-infections. You never just get Lyme. So everybody gets a different cocktail of illnesses when they get Lyme. It used to be transmitted by a tick, and I did get a tick bite, but it can also be transmitted in other ways, which is not publicized as much, because that makes it even scarier. I, uh, I got a tick bite about 16 years ago in my backyard in Los Angeles. So the myth that, you, that there are areas without Lyme disease it's ridiculous. Um, and so I've been sick since then. How does this, how does Lyme disease impact your, your life? When I got the tick bite, it was before Lyme disease had any publicity. So I knew I had a tick bite, and then time went on, and I got sick, but I didn't correlate the two things. And I started going around to doctors because I was so sick. And my story is echoed by almost everyone, but every doctor I spoke to dismissed me as being a middle-aged hysterical woman or going through menopause or wanting attention. And so I didn't get diagnosed, even though I got the tick bite 16 years ago, until about six years ago. So I spent 10 years in hell with everyone telling me there was nothing wrong with me. And that was, uh, <laughs> I, there really is no overestimating how traumatic that period of time was, including two years when I couldn't get out of bed. Um, this sort of bleeds into your next question. It impacted my life basically by giving me a bunch of wisdom I never wanted, such as nobody loves you when you're down and out, you know? Oh, you yeah. think your friends and your family are going to stand by you and rally behind you when, when you hit the skids, but that didn't happen for me and it rarely happens for anyone. I basically it left me sick and completely alone. That's terrible. Um, I know, it's and really I, depressing. I've, I've seen that, that type of, I know exactly what you're talking about, um, and I've seen that especially. That is, it's a, it's, it's really uh, rough. So, um, so with that, isn't Lyme disease, it's, it's uh, doesn't it, doesn't it take, it can take a while before it's even able to be detected? Unfortunately, there is no really good test for Lyme. 
question was uh it, it can because i was researching into it and it, it it's it, like you're saying it, it can go very uh undetected can it for quite a while six months out from the cure for AIDS? Did you say cure for AIDS? Yeah. No, not Lyme. For AIDS. Lyme disease, is there progress towards so, like s some form of cure with that? No, because only now is it becoming apparent how bad it is. I don't know if you saw yesterday that uh, teen idol Justin Bieber just announced he had Lyme disease. Oh, wow. No, I did not. It's really sad for him, but really great for everyone else who is still fighting to be considered legitimate, as ridiculous as it seems, most everyone still thinks you're making it up. Right. It sounds like it's kind of treated like, I know a lot of people with fibromyalgia a lot of times are not treated credible with their disease, which is Quite honestly, fibromyalgia is what doctors say you have when they have no idea what's wrong with you. It's pretty much more of a symptom than an actual disease. People with fibromyalgia have a reason they have fibromyalgia. Probably bacteria or virus, and if they were to be tested thoroughly, uh, which no one gets because it costs you out of pocket thousands of dollars, uh, they would probably be able 
Okay, that makes that makes sense. Um, so, so how how have you gotten through having Lyme disease? Like, it sounds terrible. Honestly, yeah. I barely did. One at my worst, when I was abandoned and unable to get out of bed, and another symptom that's really disturbing is you can't concentrate, you can't think, so you can't really read, and you can't really watch TV, so it's like death in life. You're entombed in your body, which isn't functioning, and won't allow you to divert yourself. So, it was really awful, and I thought a lot about killing myself, because I really didn't see any purpose in prolonging this existence. But I have a daughter, she's an adult, but I have a daughter, and I thought how how that would ruin her life. And that's really the only reason I didn't. And uh, then I just persevered, and I hate to say this, because it's not very encouraging, I was able to borrow an immense amount of money, uh, and I've used that money on every conceivable treatment that there is. Uh, treatments don't work for any two people the same way, so there's no way to predict if something's gonna help you. So what you have to do is just spend all this money going from one to the next, and being your own doctor and putting together a program yourself, really. Um, so that's what I did. Well, with that, that just that sounds that sounds like a long road there, Xanadu. It definitely is, and what I try and do now is denial is my friend. I try to not think about it because it's so bad, and when I tell people. It's so depressing, you know, they don't, they just stare at me. So I'm trying to reconstruct my life, which is super difficult as an adult, and it's super difficult when you're still not feeling well. Right. And if I think about it, I get pretty sad. I can imagine. Um, how, how do you get around the, the mental aspect of all of this stuff? Denial. Just denial? Okay. I, I, I smoke a lot of pot. I'm not being funny. Marijuana has been integral to my survival because what it does for me is it takes my focus away from my body and puts it in my imagination. Right. So I, I've been pretty much living in my subconscious for all this time. Uh, making friends like you on Facebook and participating in discussions. My entire social life has been online for years and I'm trying to transition that. But um, but the mental aspect haunts me. I, I, I can imagine on, on that. That's I'm kind of in those transitions too because I end up putting myself naturally in a lot of isolation. Me too. I'm that way naturally. So when the disease reinforces it, you know you're really in trouble. Right, and and then, and then when you're sometimes very hard for me myself to get out and even communicate with people. Um, I completely understand. 
and uh, yeah, that, that can be really rough. Um, yeah. Is it okay if we shift gears here? Sure. I'll ask you about a few things. So you you touched on on smoking pot. I smoke pot a lot as well, which has helped me. I, I think it's it's almost a, a cure all myself. It's the best. I, I, I it really is. I didn't smoke pot as a kid. I only started when I was sick. I have <laughs> smoked pot for probably the last twenty five years. And uh, I think that's a good idea. It is, especially. I think it's actually helped me with with. Uh, PTSD before we even had knowledge about it being, helping with that um, mm -hmm. and it very much does help with uh, the imagination can I ask you um, how do you feel about psilocybin oh you mean mushrooms exactly oh the best mushrooms are I, I, I don't want to sound like you know some hippie enthusiast nah. uh, but I've found mushrooms to be uh, like squared it, what they've done for me is uh, I don't know how this will come out sounding but I feel a part of my surroundings and the world and life and it calms me down it's it's interesting one of, one of the things that I've done over this past year is uh, microdose a bit um, but I have pretty severe social anxiety myself and so I would take mm -hmm. take that and I ended up going into these situations that caused me anxiety, accidentally. And then I started right. to notice, after I did that once or twice with hallucinogens, that I may not master that situation, but I'm a little more, uh, I'm able to go into it a bit more, if that makes sense. It completely makes sense, and it's the same for me too. Although mine, I wouldn't say mine is severe, but it's there. Mm -hmm. And I think that, Normalizing these drugs mm -hmm. are is is going to help tons of people. Yeah, I, I was gonna. I'll add this on top of that, and it's it's the normalizing, it's the pulling the taboo out, it's understanding right. addiction is a disease. There's just there's a ton of factors here that we can better our whole world um, and our culture. I think. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. Also, uh, it seems that lots of cultures figured that out before. Oh yeah, completely. And that we've just lost it along the way. There was, and I'm not, I'm not going to remember uh, exactly uh, which country it was, but they, up till the 2000s, they 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 were taking super hard stances on on drugs, um, on every drug, and they actually talked to some scientists within you know their their nation or, or what have you. Um, and they reinforced the idea of the taboo kind of being, uh, not kind of being, but being one of the driving factors uh, fa factors um, that come into play for people um, with addictions or, you know, with, with the addictive disease. Um, and once that taboo is out, you know, their drug ec epidemic has, has, you know, not completely went away, but it is not as rampant or... Right. Or crazy there, um, and I, I think we are. Well, just like with alcohol, you can use drugs and not be an addict. It, it, right. It's, it's two different things. And I'm going to shift gears again here because we're sure. about 20 minutes here. 
Okay, and something else that I, I've been noticing, and I seem a little nervous on things. It's, it's because this is uh, we've switched things up for material here. Um, is have you seen? I think in the past, I'm pretty sure in the past two or three years, uh, like we've had a U.S. military come out um, with videos of jet fighter pilots, you know, with video following UFOs, um, and. I think in the past three or in the past decade, uh, UFO sightings has, have spiked. Um, what do you think about that? Okay, I have first. I have a story to tell you. Okay. Cut this up because I'm probably going to be too long. That's okay. I uh, about 15 years ago, I was writing a weekly column for an online news uh, magazine. And mine was just features, and I had to think of new subjects every week. And I came across this actual rocket scientist who also believed in an intergalactic force of good. And it, it was really pretty wild what he believed in, and I thought it was kind of interesting that he was professionally a scientifically based guy, so I, I went to interview him, and we were talking about his beliefs of the intergalactic, but as that was going on, it was the time of the first mission to Mars, and there were fax machines. Right. As I was trying to ask him about, uh, I can't remember the name of the organization, but it's still around, um, he was getting these faxes from his buddies about Mars and showing me these pictures they were faxing him. And I was absolutely shocked. I'll just cut to the chase. It, the pictures I saw were not Mars. Pictures of Mars are colorized. It's not red. It looks like Malibu Canyon. Parts are reddish. Parts are not. Uh, all along the landscape, there were these strange round blue rocks and everything was just not like I had been seeing it on the news. He also told me that his buddies were telling him that there was totally water on Mars and that they had found relics, relics of what I'm not sure. But I took this information and when I went back out into the world, it was still at the place that, oh, Mars is dry, there's no water, you know, etc. And the guy had said to me before I left, watch, they don't like to reveal things all at once. They reveal them in steps. So I was eagle eye on the news and, and I saw, oh, scientists think maybe there might be water on Mars. Scientists think maybe they see uh, an indication that there's water on Mars. And they, I noticed as time went on, there were little baby steps right. towards now. I, it's being admitted that there's freaking water on Mars and lots of strange things are happening there. And I thought, oh, okay. Well, that has just proven to me the point that the media lies to us. Oh, yeah. The second story is that I, uh, I had a brief marriage to someone whose father was an Air Force 
everyone knows it's true. Um, okay, I guess that's the short version of that story. <laughs> Well, that's pretty amazing. I, I can concur with that. I, I think what we're seeing a lot of things is slow steps of disclosure, which is which is I, I don't know. One of the ways I look at like movies, right, um, is that I and I, I can't say this to be the the you know truth to to everything, but I really feel like anything we see entertainment wise is, is really disclosure about something. Like we we have these sciences, these things. Um, and yeah uh, quite. I also think that I, I don't know why people expect aliens to be recognizable that just seems ridiculous right. to anthropomorphize aliens well, who knows there might be a million kinds they might even like come into our bodies and live in the spaces between the empty space in our body you know you just well, exactly, and if you look at um, things like mycology, uh, fungus, things of that nature, what we're finding, like over 30% of our bodies, are our cells are symbiotic relationship with uh, like a fungus or things of that nature. Um, and so, in fact, you know, it's like, um, I believe you're very much correct on that. Is that it, it's we're we're driven to like see things that look humanoid, right? But it doesn't mean that's how that's going to happen. Right. It's very egotistical of us to think that we are aware of how it's going to happen. Right. Yeah. It's super egotistical. Um, and I'm going to switch gears here and uh, to one more question here, and I think we're going to wrap it up, Zanadu. Um, okay. So, you, you talked a lot about having Lyme disease and, and things of that nature. Um, and I know for myself, suffering from PTSD and things, um, creativity plays a role for me hugely. Um, do you feel that creativity plays a huge role for me personally on a day-to-day -day level? Um, right. Now, uh, how... How do you feel about, uh, uh, do you feel creativity um, plays a, a role in the healing process? Or, or Well, unfortunately, I, uh, as, I, as I explained, that you can't really concentrate and you can't really right. focus and you get exhausted. So I, I, I am trying to whip up my creativity. I've had like little bursts where I forced myself to try and do something, but it's been really exhausting and very frustrating. I've given up my dreams of forming a body of work that's meaningful because I have to. I can't be attached to any, and I'm just Honestly, I'm just trying to get through the day right. because my own PTSD will come and eat me up if I don't. And and I can understand that. I have uh, completely. I have I have some pretty severe days at, at times, um, to where it it is uh, very very hard. Um, let's see. That's it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Deep Americana. 
share with others, tell your family, keep talking to each other out there. Peace, love, and guns and roses.